Well, what more is there to say? You've heard the first three points of the sermon. Now for the next 48 minutes, the fourth, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Jesus builds his church. Jesus makes his power perfect in our weakness. I'm overjoyed this morning because I look around and genuinely know most of you. At least know a good bit about most of you and your stories. And I, I know it's true for you, I know it's true for me, that Jesus doesn't call the the equipped and the abled and the folks who have it all together, people that are living their best life, striving, you know, on top of their game. He calls folks like us to make his power perfect through our need and our weakness, to show Santa Fe who we love, who we are called to move toward, that Jesus has moved toward us because he is faithful, not faithful based on our works, our our merit, our earning, our ambition, but because of the finished work of Christ. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. Whether you've been here 20 years or 10 or 2 or 20 minutes, maybe it's your first Sunday. Glory to God the Father through the work of Jesus Christ, His Son, who constitutes and creates His bride, the church, messy people lifting up a great God, so that she might courageously walk out into the world to be in the world and not of it and reflect in her beauty in this beautiful city the faithfulness of Jesus Christ to you and to me. That's why the title of this sermonette is CCSF, Celebrating Christ's Supreme Faithfulness. People have come and they've gone. Uh, godly, amazing women that the Lord has used here. Innumerable. A handful of pretty godly dudes. Numerable. No, I'm kidding. Pastors that have come and gone. Workers, servants, officers. But the one thread, the one consistent, secure foundation, rock, and anchor to our souls is Jesus Christ and his love and mercy to us. By grace alone, through faith alone. And I wonder, do you relate to that story of God's faithfulness? I was considering my own story this week. You know, you don't like to get up, pastor, and talk too much about yourself. You know, what's normative is the parable, the word of God, and that speaks into our situations, yours and mine. But there is an existential, visceral, personal piece of this, which isn't just the concept of Christ's faithfulness, but his actual faithfulness to actual you who he knows by name. And I was just considering this week my own story. You know, people ask, how in the world did you become a pastor? I am still not sure. <laughs> I mean, we're called, right? We're, we're summoned. How in the world did God bring this ramshackle group of hooligans together into one room? Rich, poor, white, black, brown, ages and stages to all kneel at the cross and say, I can't save myself. I can't make a life for myself. I've tried. I've been down this road and that. It leads to death and destruction. I need Jesus' help. I need the faithful shepherd to be faithful to me. And as I considered my story, you know, the ups and the downs, the joys and the sorrows, 
The things that you know and a lot of things that you don't know. And a lot of things that I know about a lot of you. The trials and challenges and suffering that you have been through. I think about myself, down days, challenges, melancholy, anxiety, millennial narcissism, immediate self-gratification. I don't live in that place all the time because I'm a human being. I'm often on the mountaintops, but sometimes I'm in the valley, just like you. And the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, has been faithful to shepherd and lead us through it all. He is the faithful one. So we celebrate the story of God, the Redeemer God, the God who forgives and makes all things new, the God who knows all about your past and declares over it, that one is mine. They will not be accused. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He knows where you're at right now and holds you tightly. And as Sean said, he knows your future and he will bring you home. That's why we celebrate the King and his kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ today. And really, that's the heart of this parable. (laughs) In summary, that's the heart of this parable. God goes out, the master of the house, and he calls workers to his vineyard. Some guys work the whole day. Day starts at 6 a.m., ends at 6 p.m. Some come at the 11th hour, for goodness sake. They work one hour of the day in the cool of the day. And this parable, which is often called the parable of the vineyard or the workers of the vineyard, it should be called the parable of the generous master because it's all about helping us to reframe our minds and hearts about what the grace of God is and what his faithfulness looks like so that we can receive it and so that we can share it with Santa Fe because that's all we have to share with Santa Fe, right? Not that we are a country club of good-looking people who have our lives together. But we are needy, broken people who God has called and brought and met and who is helping day by day. We are a hospital, a place for the broken who need healing from the pastors on down. This master calls workers to the vineyard and we're told in the parable that he pays everybody the same wage. And if you're like me, This really doesn't seem fair. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 20 is coming off a couple things that don't seem fair. (laughs) Before this in Matthew 19, he deals with, as we did last week in Mark's gospel, the issue of uh, marital separation. Then he talks about these little children coming to him, which makes no sense to the disciples, because why would you let a bunch of kids interrupt your very important ministry? And then we get the rich young ruler. And this really sends their heads spinning because this rich young ruler was not only seen as blessed and gifted in the eyes of the average first century Jew, I mean, he was rich and successful after all, but the story tells us that he kept the law. He did all the right things. And Jesus says, none of that's enough to get you into the kingdom. In fact, you become prideful. You have a sense of your own righteousness and pride because of what you've accomplished. And I'm going to show you that you do. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And immediately his self-righteousness and pride is exposed because it's the one thing he refuses to give up to follow Jesus. He had done all the right things, kept all the laws, even wore a collared shirt to church. And in one foul swoop, Jesus goes, yeah, your heart is believing in your own righteousness and strength. 
And so he tells this parable. Because Peter, after hearing the story of the rich young ruler, goes, if this is all true, who can possibly get into God's kingdom? So Jesus says, well, let me tell you about the nature of the kingdom. It's like this. A master, his house, his vineyard, and he calls out, he goes out and calls and pursues the workers that he needs and wants, and then he pays them all the same. And I believe our our knee-jerk reaction to this is it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem just. Because in the world's way of things, you work hard, you get a lot, you don't, you don't. At least people often believe that. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I, I think that what I've done, I've done. And when I see people who are downtrodden, my initial reaction, of course, I only say this in my mind, not out loud to you, is, well, you know, what did you do wrong? Or maybe what's wrong with the system that you would be in this situation? This exposes our deepest problem. We are stingy. We, we judge people on the condition of our perception of their work, merit, ambition, and accomplishment, and God is not like that. He's a generous master. His grace, as we said, is a gratuitous grace. There's two things to consider here that are important. The first is to consider the workers. They're not lazy. These are the guys waiting outside of Home Depot. They're day laborers. In this day and age in society, they would have been looked down upon. It was a low status but they're not lazy. They have shown up, they're in the marketplace, and they want to work. They are willing, but they are needy. Willing, but needy. Needy in part because they're deeply vulnerable. They have no rights, no permanent employer, no pension, no benefits, no health care package. But they have mouths to feed nonetheless. And perhaps this is why on this principle of grace, not the world's principle of work. We see that God meets each one not on what they deserve, but on what they most truly need. Now, this is the heart of the parable. So listen to this quote from Matthew commentator R.T. France. The master says that he will pay each of the workers, those from the early morning and even those at the 11th hour, whatever is right. And in our minds, whatever is right means... Those who work longer get paid more. But God's economy is different. Don't miss this. His principle is payment not based on what they deserve for the quantity of their work, but what they need for the quality of their lives. Even those who worked an hour, who were waiting there, they're like the kid that nobody picked in kickball. They're like me when I was in middle school. Can I be on a team, somebody? The 11th hour folks were were eager to work and they had great need. But all the strong people got picked first. Maybe they were old. Maybe they were too young. Maybe they were infirm or had some physical issue. Maybe they were known throughout town for a mental issue. They were the discarded. They were the worthless. And yet they get the same. One denarius. Why? Because that's a day's wages. And it's not based on the quantity of their work, but the very need of their heart and soul, which is one day's wage to go home and feed their family and have the strength to do what God has called them to do. God rules by generosity, not by merit. And of course, if you're like me, I throw my hands up in the air and say, well, where is justice? That's all great to hear. God just, you know, One guy works 12 hours, one guy works one, the Lord just gives it away. What about justice? 
But here we might consider what the old rabbis called the doctrine of two measures, that God's love and his justice flow down together and never one to repudiate the other. And where do we see that most fully except for in the finished work of Christ? So on the one hand, for the workers, and by the way, if you're here and you're not 2,000 years old and you're not Jewish, you're one of the 11th hour people. Santa Fe is like 1145 away from, you know, first century Palestine. That's us. We're the 11th hour people right here. God's love and his justice flow down together in the work of Christ. Because even though the grace and the generosity is free from the first hour to the 11th, do not miss this. It comes from the master at great cost. What a fool. Some of you all have either run or helped run a business. You would be out of business if you did this. This master seems foolish in the way that he is handling his money in his business. Commercially, a fool. And yet it is to prove the point, Jesus, to his disciples and to the world that the cross is the foolishness of God. Because although the grace is free to the workers, it is costly to the master. The undeserving get paid to the master's own debt. His effort for them to earn that money is counted to him as loss and to them as free gain. This is the gospel. And so on the one hand, the grace is free and generous. God even goes out and pursues perhaps workers that he doesn't really need. One commentator notes that you know, when he's going out at the ninth and the eleventh hour, he probably doesn't even need these guys. But he sees that they're sheep without a shepherd, that they're willing to work, and that they have need. He doesn't need them, they need him, and so he goes and pursues them. That's Jesus. And at the same time, the great cost paid for us in Christ is that the grace we receive, not by our works, is by the works of another. So I'm fond of saying, provocatively, you are saved by works. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We will stand before the creator of the universe who made us, who knows us, every atom and quark, a holy and perfect God in all-consuming fire, and we have two options. We can either hold up our stuff that we tried to accomplish for good, or we can bow the knee and say, I am hidden with Christ in God. We are saved by works. It's just a question of whose works can't be saved by our own, but by the finished work of Christ, we can have this costly grace and salvation for free. And as Sean said, this brings us to our future, looking forward to the next 20 years. I don't know if you know this, but there's a little bit of tension in the world right now. <laughs> so what Christians are supposed to do, as you know, is run away from the world. Get away from all the bad people. Don't go near them. They're weird and smelly and you're nice and angelic and know how to sing hymns. No. There's tension in the world. There's hurting people, our neighbors who we love. If God puts you in this city different, it's precisely to be different. People are dividing over what? Politics, challenges, fear, doubt, uncertainty, the markets, jobs, and there's real hurt and real need. But if you're here and Jesus is your hope, your future is secure. And you know what that means? It means that we're drawn back to the whole 
point of the parable. Not just that the generous master gives grace to the workers, but why? Why? Well, where are they? They're in a vineyard. And what do you do in a vineyard? It's not for making welches. The workers are called and pursued by grace so they might use their gifts and abilities in this vineyard to grow the best fruit on the vine. Grapes that could be turned into delicious, tasty, refreshing wine. Christ Church Santa Fe exists to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to come to the means of grace of God, the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and baptism, to be a family, a fellowship, to be on the mission of telling the story of God in Santa Fe so that we might go out and bring the good wine of the good news of Jesus to a thirsty world. That is why the master is so generous. He wants as many workers as possible so that he can satiate and quench the thirst of dying people that he has in this city yet to love. That is why this parable is about the gratuitous grace of God and it celebrates with us in our stories the story of Christ's supreme faithfulness. Let's pray for 20 more years of that. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this wonderful parable, which I'm, I'm sure that for the first disciples was a continuation uh, of just the, the challenge of these hard sayings, because we are, Lord, we are hopelessly meritorious, as Martin Luther has said. We judge ourselves so often based on our work and accomplishment, and we tend to judge others in that way. And let's be honest, Lord, that's often how the world works for us. And yet your kingdom is not of this world. Your kingdom is breaking into this world. Your kingdom is a kingdom where the master goes out diligently in the early morning to pursue those without rights and benefits and security, but who have great need and to bless them fairly on the agreement for their work. And yet you don't give up, Lord. You continue to go out throughout the day and pursue those, even those who had been passed over time and time again to say, these are the kind that I want in my kingdom because I am a generous giver of gratuitous grace. Christ, we celebrate your faithfulness to us and how generous you have been with us. Even as we come to the table, we celebrate that, Jesus, because it is here at your table, Jesus, that you remind us that we walk up empty-handed, and you know our lives. You know the week we had. You know the areas in our life where we're struggling, our idols, where we don't want to repent. You know those places, you know, if our life were a house, there's, you know, two rooms that we really don't want you going into. You know all those things. And you invite us, come to me by faith. Turn from that which does not satisfy. And even though this is grape juice this morning, Lord, symbolically speaking, come to me and taste the fruit of my vine. I will bless you. I will keep you. I will never leave you or forsake you. My story will be written into your story. I am faithful and you are mine. Amen.